The Koi Gig Pod. I then had to then fake an injury because I didn't want to tell people that I was pregnant until the 12 weeks gone. That's, it's mad to think of really, it seems kind of archaic. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. Rugby on Off The Ball. With Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Welcome back to this evening's Off The Ball. The Rugby Headgear Effectiveness Study is a new piece of research which is being conducted over the next two years and is in support of the RFU. The study is taking place under World Rugby's Law 4 Headgear Trial Framework, which is enabling manufacturers to field test new designs of rugby headgear, which could be of assistance in reducing or helping to prevent brain injuries. Dr Philip O'Halloran, who's a consultant neurosurgeon at the Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Birmingham, is the study's principal investigator and he joins us now. Phil, good evening to you. Hi, Will. Evening. How are you? Um, Taking a look at this, we're looking largely when it comes to the study, which you're at the head of what's going to be undertaken over the next two years, is really looking at effectively an independent analysis of the new N-Pro headgear, which is a product that's already on the market. Yeah, I think the word independent is really the key issue here. So my, my primary role is to take this product, which has been shown in a laboratory setting to have some benefit in terms of reducing impact, both linear acceleration and rotational acceleration, and take that concept and bring it into the real world. It's a really important distinction because we know that when we're dealing with brain injuries, both in patients in the hospital and, 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 and outside the hospital, is that ideas that may look good in a, in a, in a preclinical or in a lab-based scenario don't always transpire to being an effective clinical um, outcome in, in the real world. So it's an important distinction between the two. I was having a look at NPRO's website a bit earlier and the claims they're making about a potential 75% reduction in impact on uh, brain injuries been made, as you said, based on their own lab research. How does your research differ to what they would have done before making that claim, before bringing the product out? The bottom line is I'm doing it in, in players. Um, so their NPRO's data, as I said, is based in a laboratory where there's no there's no um, live uh, experiments as such. Um, in order for them to be awarded this trial license, they had to submit all of this data to World Rugby, which was then independently evaluated by two external consultants who then approved um, the license to be awarded. And this is the first license to be awarded for the global law for change, which you mentioned. Other manufacturers can are able to apply for the same license as well if they so choose. So the players, you're going to be like, what's the sample size going to be, uh, Phil, when you get the research started? Because I believe you're looking for people to now take part at the moment. Yeah, for sure. So we, we, we really launched a study just before Christmas and we're, we're starting to recruit people well, essentially, we'll, we'll be holding information, public information sessions in the near future, and we'll talk about that maybe at the end, um, where players and parents, coaches, principals, whoever wants to be involved can join. They'll meet me, they'll meet the other co-investigators, and we'll go through the study in, in fine detail. Um, I guess back to the original question, the fact the difference is, A, it's independent. I'm independent to the manufacturers, so are the other 14 co-investigators who are involved in the study, who involved in six centers in four countries. So it's a huge, it's a huge study. And essentially the groups will be divided into two. We'll keep it very simple. One group will be 150 players wearing NPRO. 
the other group will be 150 players not wearing any scrum cap. It's open to all rugby players over the age of 16. It's open to men and women because it's very important that we capture the rugby playing population because brain injuries occur in men and women and we shouldn't uh, we shouldn't um, uh, we, we really should be representative of the heterogeneity of the brain injury itself. Yeah, if you're looking at that wide range of people, I'm guessing then you're looking at amateurs and professionals. Is there a breakdown in how you're looking over the 300 or so people that you're looking for, or how is that going to break down? No, I think I think the majority of the people who wrote enrolled to this will be amateurs. Um, there will be some professionals involved as well. I think the really the key the key point here is the, the data we're collecting is is really unique um, combined. So traditionally a lot of this data we're collecting would have been reserved for the elite professional game we're actually taking that and putting it into the amateur game which will give us a lot of useful information for amateur rugby players in ireland and for the global world community of amateur rugby players um and we will be doing this over two seasons as you say it's two calendar or two it's not calendar years it's just rugby playing seasons um and we're really we're really excited about it the key also is that if players are enrolled in the study, the data that we collect, which of course the player can request at any time, that data cannot be used to get back in the pitch sooner. So if you have a recognize and remove event, and it's probably a good time to highlight this with the junior schools and senior schools cup starting soon, there is no HIA, there is no assessment in, in, in schools rugby, it's off the pitch, recognize and remove, if in doubt, sit them out. That, ha- that cannot change. What will happen in our study is if that event happens, we'll, we will start to do some tests immediately after that event, but the data cannot be used. So if you're an under 20 rugby player in Ireland right now, your return to play is, is 23 days. If you're over 20, is 21 days. That will not change. When it comes to the research itself and the testing that's going to take place, um, can you talk me through this? Because you're very familiar with real world playing conditions, because I mentioned you've been a doctor around the Gallagher Premiership and the European Cup on match days. How do you define real world playing conditions when it comes to the testing on these people that come forward for the trials? I mean, my real world is that it's not in a laboratory you know that it's actually players it's 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 real world it's it's people who take part in in the game who train you know regularly who play matches regularly um so that that's what we mean by real world the tests we'll be doing will involve so all, all the players whichever group you're in will be fitted with the instrument of mouth guard so you may be familiar with that it's getting a lot of um attention in the last maybe year or two so it's an instrument of mouth guard made from prevent biometrics that come from minnesota in the u.s there's a little chip in a mount guard and it picks up the direction, the force, the G-force of the collision, the location of the collision. All of the vid- all of the games will be recorded as well. So um, when we so we have to see where the collision was in video, but also more importantly, in terms of the G-forces and, and the of the impact itself, uh, players will have to have blood tests taken um, after the injury. Uh, they'll have saliva taken so we can we can have markers of brain injury from a blood test and from saliva um, sampling. We also do a battery of neurocognitive assessments. And we also, a certain proportion of the players in both groups will be um, uh, required or asked to take part and do an MRI scan 
uh, using advanced neuro neuroimaging techniques, which is really exciting. Does that mean that every player involved is going to be continually assessed, or is it only if they present with a head injury or a concussion? No. So every every player, in no matter what group you are in, will be continuously assessed. The only difference is if you do have a recognised and remove event, you'll just get another. Uh, bout of testing done after you can see why immediately after that injury and then you just go back into the sequence of, of normal testing Quite aside from the headgear this is going to create quite an interesting survey on the amount of people who are being impacted by head injuries then over the next two years It is it is you know and, and you know as a, as a neurosurgeon you know, I'm 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 just as interested in the group not wearing the headgear as I am in the group wearing the headgear, because as I said, it's going to give us unprecedented insight into brain health of amateur rugby players. It, it, traditionally, we we kind of focus on the pro game, but but you know we need we need considering the majority of the rugby playing population are, are in the amateur sport. We we need to, to we need to look at those, and I think that this, this this study really highlights the importance of of carrying out such a study. We've had a lot of support from the IRFU. We've had a lot of support from the World of Rugby who identify the need for this kind of for this kind of uh, project to take place. And ultimately, it'll be the data that'll drive the narrative. That's a really important part, because as you say, there's going to be a lot of interest about this, but we have to be very careful in what the conclusion is. The data will drive the conclusion and the narrative of this. Yeah, because I suppose it's important not to um, maybe take any preconceived ideas into it from a research point of view, because we were debating a little bit on the news round earlier this evening, and there have been plenty of claims made before that potentially wearing a scrum cap uh, could offset potential injury, and then it was shown that that wouldn't be the case, and now there's new equipment out, and new equipment is always going to make claims. So it has to be a blank page from you and the rest of the research team here. It is, and that's a really important point, and we should probably re-emphasize that. Um, right now, there is no evidence to suggest that wearing a scrum cap offers any protection to your brain. You know, that that's really important. There still seems to be a narrative out there that it does. There, there's no literature to support it. We see it in our weekly sports head injury or sports brain injury clinic here. Players coming in, they're still wearing them. They still have symptoms. I wore one for a few years. Uh, it didn't make any difference, but as you correctly said, there is some evidence, and this is very important, that perhaps players who do wear them are at a higher risk of developing or having sustaining other injuries, including um, a brain injury, including other injuries. And one of the key components of our study, which World Rugby and I were very, um, very strongly about, was that we had a very we had a separate behavioural arm study. So one, while this is all going on, we have scientists in, in DCU who are specifically monitoring player behavior in the NPRO wearing group, in the, in the headgear wearing group. So now we can look at, well, actually, are these players involved? Are they taking more risk-taking behavior on the pitch? Are they getting red cards more? Are they getting yellow cards more? Are they getting other injuries? And ultimately, if we see a pattern emerging that players wearing the headgear are um, getting more, are getting picking up more injuries. Then ultimately, um, I have the responsibility to to stop the study prematurely if I think the players are coming to harm. You mentioned that you wore a scrum cap yourself. Was that just to protect your ears, or did you believe at the time that the scrum cap was potentially going to protect you from a potential head injury? 
No, I, I, I didn't wear it for my own protection for my brain. I wore it mainly for my ears and cuts and, bra- and bruises. I played in the back, so I didn't have to worry too much about my ears. Right. Uh, not like the forwards, you have to worry about it an awful lot more than that. Uh, as you mentioned, you're casting the net at the moment and there's an upcoming event uh, in a couple of days' time as well. Yeah, so we're, we're holding our first of a few public information sessions. So that's taking place on Thursday night at 7 o'clock. It's an Eventbrite online. So I'd encourage anyone who's interested in study to find to, to join. Uh, as I said, you'll 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 hear the specifics of the study, a little bit more science as what we're doing, why we're doing it. You'll, they'll also meet the other co-investigators who are involved in the study. We've had a huge positive uh, response from this already. I think it's generated a lot of excitement. A sort of guarded excitement is probably the way I would describe it, um, and we're really looking forward to that. So I think you know I think people will. I think you guys are going to send out the link on your social media ch- um, pages to, for for the meeting on Thursday. If people want to email uh, rugbyheadgearstudy at gmail.com, that's rugbyheadgearstudy at gmail.com, and uh, they'll be able to register there as well. The people who've already expressed an interest, because I was finding it interesting, we talk about concussion, particularly around American football, and a lot of the players in the American football sphere that came forward for testing and were interested in finding out more were worried about their teammates who had picked up injuries um, after their playing days. Are these people who are proactive about their brain health who are looking to get involved or who are the people that have come forward even before you have these meetings? Um, well, they've come forward since we launched the study just before Christmas. Um, I, you know, the, the, I think, you know, I think the key fact is I think everyone shares a concern about this at the moment. And it's I think the attraction of this study is that it is unique. It is really independent um, and that the, the type of data we're collecting as I said, traditionally has been geared towards a more professional um, elite side of the game. The fact that we're doing the amateur sport is, is really encouraging. Will you be creating a breakdown in your results between the professional players and the amateurs, or is this a case of everyone is basically taken on the same terms when you're doing the testing? Uh, no, I think we won't be breaking it down, but it'll be, it'll be, it'll be quite obvious, I suspect, when you see the collision impacts from the incident of Mount Guards, um, we already know from the ORCID study from the University of Otago, New Zealand, where the collisions seen in, say, versus the NPC against, say, an age-related game are, are worlds apart. So I think it'll be, even though myself and a lot of most of the investigators are blinded, so we won't know what players are in which group, it'll become quite obvious, I think, with the with the instrument amount guard and the, the impacts which which are in, in, in the pro. But I think you know, the, as I said, the majority of the players will be amateur. Intrigued to see what the results are going to look like in a couple of seasons' time when this survey is complete. Dr. Philip O'Halloran, thanks a million for joining us on tonight's Off the Ball. Thanks very much, Will. Rugby on Off the Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us.